And so with that, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to the book of James. We're going to continue on uh, in this study uh, today in verses 13 to 17. By the way, this is our 13th study in the book of James. And uh, I'm excited uh, about this book. The Lord has ministered much into my own heart. And I pray that He's doing that in your heart. And if you're missing any of these studies, including last Sunday, that one will probably be posted this next week. But all of these studies are on our website. Uh, we also put this on Facebook Live, and it's, it's, it's happening there today. It wasn't last week. Um, but uh, go back and listen to the studies in James so that you can really get the flow of what's uh, taking place in this letter. We, um, we quite often uh, get cautioned in the Word of God. The Word of God is full of exhortations. It's full of warnings. It's full of cautions uh, for us as Christians. And I think we need to learn to heed those. Uh, we've seen quite a few of them as we've been going through the book of James here. We've seen a number of warnings, a number of cautions, uh, that have come our way. Actually, that word caution, it actually means this. It means that uh, care should be taken to avoid danger or mistakes. Now, have you found that in your own Christian walk? We need to avoid certain dangers that can come our way and different mistakes that we have found ourselves making that we would avoid those mistakes. That's what a caution is. In the verb form, it's a, it's a warning against danger or evil. It's used in, uh, to advise or to urge someone to take heed. And as we've been going through the book of James, James is very straightforward in that way about taking heed, and as it was even prayed today, that we would be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Remember that this book is about maturity. It's about growing up. And we need to grow as Christians. We need to mature as Christians. We need to grow up. And that's what James, I believe, is doing as he puts this letter out to Christians to consider these areas. James, in this fourth chapter, he really defined what worldliness was. And we went through that study. We talked about and defined worldliness, the term worldliness or a worldly Christian. He cautions us about speaking evil of one another in this fourth chapter and about wrongly judging each other. Today, we're going to have another caution. We're going to be cautioned about boasting about tomorrow. We're going to be cautioned about man's arrogance and our self-sufficiency. Can anyone relate? Self-sufficient. Able to take care of your own self. Able to do, you know, yeah. and sometimes I think our arrogance and our self-sufficiency is what gets in the way of what God really wants to do in us. He wants us to be completely dependent upon Him. He wants us to rely upon Him for everything. Apart from You, Lord, I can do nothing. And I hope that that's something that is in our minds every day. James 
in revealing the true nature of worldliness. He says you fight and you war amongst yourselves and you lust for things that God doesn't even want you to have. You murder with your words, but you've come from an evil heart. You ask for things from God which you only want to spend on your own pleasures. He says, you adulterers. He says, you're only giving part of your heart to God. God wants our whole heart. He's a jealous God. He wants all of our heart, not just part of it. He says that you have become more of a friend of the world than a friend of God. He's speaking to Christians here. It sounds like he would be speaking to an unbeliever. But he's speaking and he's warning Christians. He quotes from Proverbs 3.34. He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We should take that verse and we should underline it and we should realize that, you know what, my flesh is proud. My flesh at times, my nature is arrogant at times. And we need to say, God, would you humble me? Would you remember I I gave those those six commands that followed this in verses 7 to 10. He gave us really the cure for worldliness. He says, submit to God. That's the first thing he said. That we would submit ourselves to God. That we would resist the devil, number two. Number three, that we would draw near to God and He would draw near to us. He went on to command us to cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. He says, lament and mourn and weep. And then He says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Those are all commands. James is commanding us as Christians to do these things. Today, as we look at this next caution in this chapter, I titled the morning's message, Our Humble Dependency Upon God. I think all of us at times, we we get independent. We're not always dependent upon God. We're self-sufficient for a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's just because we have everything we need. What more do I need? But even if you have everything this world can give you, you still need the Lord and you need every bit of what He can give you. You need His Holy Spirit. You need His strength. You need His power to say no to sin. To be able to live for Christ. To be a witness for Him. We all know our flesh... Or at least we're learning about it more and more as you walk with the Lord. The tendency of our flesh is always bent towards pride. Have you ever noticed that? It's always, it wants to go the way of pride. It wants to go the way of self-sufficiency. It doesn't always want to do God's will. We don't. We don't always yield to His will. We put confidence in our own abilities. Who we are and 
what we've been able to accomplish in life. We often are the arbitrators of our lives. Instead of humbly submitting ourselves to God, we set ourselves up as an arbitrator, which is really a prideful, independent person. Have you ever asked a person, or maybe somebody asked you at some point in your life, are you prepared to die? Have you ever had somebody respond back to you, I don't plan on dying anytime soon? You know, ask a young person. We've got some here today. Quite often, the younger you are, you think, hey, I'm good. I don't plan on dying today. But we all know that our life is held in the hands of God, that we don't have our day, we don't know what our days are. I think we need to keep ourselves in that place of humble dependency upon the Lord. How dependent are you? How dependent are you upon the Lord for your direction every single day? For the wisdom that the Bible says only comes from above. For the guidance that we're quite often asking God for. How dependent are you upon Him for those things? And let me ask you another question. Do you have any assurance that the plans you have set for tomorrow, that they're going to work out the way that you have them planned? Any assurance of that at all? You're not even guaranteed that you'll finish out the day. You don't even know what this day holds. And quite often we go on in life and we think that we have it all figured out. Why? Because we have a calendar. How many of you have them on your phone? You got a calendar. Some of you are great at keeping a calendar. I know some of you. As a matter of fact, in that calendar, you have such detail from day to day that I wonder sometimes if God needs to make an appointment with you to make a change. He, you know, we keep it, we log it by sometimes getting down to the very hour what we're going to be doing. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with planning. There's nothing wrong with setting an appointment. But it all has to do with our hearts. It all has to do with presumptuous planning. We're not asking God. We're not saying, God, I want Your will for this day. As a matter of fact, I think it might be a good thing that if you would take that calendar that you have and you would write at the very first line of each day, God, Your will be done. And then start filling in the blanks. Fill in everything after that. But God, I want to be sensitive to the leading of Your Holy Spirit that I wouldn't be in a place where I wouldn't hear Your voice. That I wouldn't change my plan in the moment to heed Your voice and Your leading. Those calendars that we hold so dear to keep us on track, they can become a trap. Because God might want to do something else Today, we plan it out. 
Some of us have it planned out for a week, two weeks, who knows how long. But in reality, you have no idea what tomorrow holds. No idea. Some of us don't even like that. Because we like to be in control of the day, of the situation. To be planning and making appointments and, and doing it. Sometimes that's good stewardship. Nothing wrong with that in itself. To be somebody that's making plans, but are you quick to be able to make a change? When the Holy Spirit leads you, are you quick to change? Psalm 37.23 says that the steps of a good man, or some translations read, the steps of a righteous man, they're ordered by the Lord. And he that, God, and, and he that delights in his way. God delights in directing our steps. They're ordered by the Lord. I, I really believe that God is directing our steps, especially as we lead, leave these things to Him in very precise ways. I believe God is really in control of my life. He knows what He's doing. And wouldn't you love to have somebody tell you where you should put your foot next so that you wouldn't make a mistake? So you, you wouldn't mess up? You wouldn't get off course. I think I want to hear God's voice. How many of you have Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 memorized? Raise your hand. A few of you? Good. So this is a good one. You'll know it when I say it probably. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding that you might want to underline. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall, here's the promise, He shall direct your path. That's a promise. To not lean to my own understanding, and all my ways acknowledge Him, and He's going to direct my path. If we would just memorize that and apply it to daily living... You probably wouldn't have to come up to me so often and ask me what my opinion was about what God's will is. Because see, God knows what His will is for your life. You don't need to run to man or run to people. You can run to God. God wants to direct your path. The problem is we try to figure it out. And quite often, I've done that quite often in my own life. Those of us that keep that calendar, we need to make sure that my day is being orchestrated by God, not by me. It's not me. It's not me planning out my day. Yes, we can have plans. Yeah, we can do it. But God, I want your direction for me today. I want your will to be done in me today. I shared with a couple of brothers yesterday after a meeting we had. It wasn't even in light of what I was studying, but I said, was saying goodbye after the meeting, and I said, I'll see you in the morning, or I'll see you in the air. 
And one of them said, I like the idea of seeing us together in the air. But let me ask you, are you living each day with the possibility that it could be your last? Are you living each day with the possibility that the Lord could come back today? That we would go to be with Him? It would change the way probably that you set up your calendar. Possibly. What you would do with that day. I think we all agree that life is short. I think that life is not only short, but we need to be living our life in light of eternity. What does that mean? To live your life in light of the fact that we're going to spend eternity with the Lord. That means every decision I make. I want it to pass through God. Every decision that I'm considering to make, every purchase I'm going to make, every move I'm going to make, I want it to go through the hand of God. Because I know that these things are either going to be to my detriment if I get it wrong, or it's going to be to the value of the kingdom if I get it right. There's going to be something that is going to be right and good when I'm living my life in light of eternity, instead of living it for what I think I need to get done from day to day. What if God told you to scrap your plans for the day? He just wanted you to do something else that He was directing your hearts to do. But it didn't line up with your calendar. It wasn't on your calendar to change the plan, the direction. Would you do it? If God directed you to do so. I know even my talking about these things, that it can be uncomfortable for some. I can't always see how uncomfortable you are, but I, I know that some of you are probably uncomfortable with the thought of your calendar and yielding your day unto the Lord. And, and the reason I think that we become uncomfortable with this topic is because we like to be in control. We like to control our day and what we're going to do in our day. Proverbs 16.9 says that a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And we often, even as Christians, we, we use these words, if the Lord wills. Or God willing. Have you ever done that? Maybe you haven't said it in a long time, and that's not good either. We might... Say to someone, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. And then we might tag on to the end of that, if the Lord wills. We don't always have to say with every sentence, if the Lord wills, I'll see you over at such and such a place tomorrow. But it is a mindset that we should take on. It's not always in the words that we say, though we do at times use those words. 
But it's a mindset that we take on. It's a heart that we take on. It's a humble heart before God, knowing that He's the one that directs me. It's really about how we think. It's about our hearts. It's about our submitting to God. It's about as a Christian that I want God's will in every area of my life. I think we should be thinking, I want God to control my day. I want Him to control my plans today. The desires of my heart to accomplish this or that today. They're my desires, but God, I want Your will. I want Your destiny. I want my steps to be Your directed steps. I think the Apostle Paul, he understood this mindset. We read in Acts 18.18, it says, So Paul still remained a good while, and then he took leave of the brethren, and he sailed for Syria. And Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Centria, for he had taken a vow. And he came to Ephesus and he left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue, reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay longer, a longer time with them, he did not consent but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. But then he says this, but I will return again to you, God willing. But I will return to you again, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. We might put it this way. I, Paul, have a desire to return to you again. That's my desire. But it may not be God's will. Do you see the difference? It's actually a big difference. We can have a desire towards something or something that we desire to do or something we desire to accomplish yet it might not be God's will. We need to be careful that we discern the will of God. Let's look at our text again. Verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. And all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. James starts this next section by saying, come now. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. 
Come now, you rich. When you see that wording like that, it's, it's, it's like a way of changing the subject matter. That's what James is doing here. He's talking about our dependency upon Him each and every day. He says, come now, you who say. This morning, we're going to see in these verses the arrogance of man's heart. We're going to also see the foolishness of man, his presumptuous planning that we quite often do. And we can see in this the self-sufficiency of a proud heart, a proud man, a proud woman. Remember what James said in verse 6, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Remember what James said in verse 10, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Remember I said at the beginning of this chapter, it's about pride that God wants to deal with. God wants to deal with our pride. And the remedy for that pride is that we would humbly submit ourselves to God. That's the remedy. First, James points out Man's foolish, presumptuous planning. Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. One commentator wrote this of this verse. This was the custom of those ancient times. They traded from city to city, carrying their goods on the backs of camels. The Jews traded thus to Tyre and Sidon and Caesarea and Crete and Ephesus, Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth and Rome and other cities. And it is to this kind of itinerant mercantile life that St. James alludes. This was common. People trading, trade routes, going from this city to that city, taking their wares with them to make a profit. And quite often as I read this, the thing that came to my mind is we make big plans. And don't we do that? We make big plans without quite often ever seeking the Lord's will. We often plan where we're going without even a prayer, without even acknowledging it before the Lord. We just simply set out where we're going to go. I think it's important for us as Christians to not only pray, but to learn what it means to wait on the Lord. To wait on the Lord, there's so many things that we would probably change our direction, change our decision if we would simply wait on the Lord. Pray and listen for His voice. We'd probably make so many better decisions in life. 
James, here he's speaking, and it appears he's speaking to those that already have it planned out. They already have determined in their mind where they're going to be and what they're going to do. And even that they're going to make a profit. How many of you starting out in business, if you've ever done that, would have liked to have thought that you knew that you were going to make a profit? It doesn't always work out that way. You go into it hoping that you'll make a profit. It appears here that they were set on the fact that they were going to make a profit. Presumptuous planning. It actually took myself and my family a lot of praying before we went to Wales as missionaries to the UK. It was actually a year and four months worth of praying and waiting on the Lord and seeking the Lord's face before we had that real confirmation in our heart that we were going to be making a move to Wales to go plant a church. It came back from Wales, and that took another year and two months of planning and asking the Lord to raise up a national to take the church as I came back to the United States. Another year and two months worth of praying and waiting on the Lord and God's provision to be able to do that. When I came back to Southern California and thought that the Lord had another work for us and began to pray, it was almost a year of praying and seeking the Lord and taking two trips from California to North Carolina and running all over this state and going back and then determining that the Lord was calling us here to Winston-Salem. Takes waiting on the Lord. It's not something that I would want to just make that decision. Hey, honey, we're, we're moving to North Carolina. Have you prayed about it? Well, no, I haven't, but we will. Do you see the difference? I could make a plan. I could say this is where I'm going to go. This is where I'm going to end up. This is what we're going to be doing. And now I'll pray about it. That's not the way it works. We pray first. We wait on the Lord. We ask the Lord for His direction. It appears that those James is speaking about here, they were trying to control their future. We're going to go to this city, we're going to go to this place, and we're going to do this, and we're going to make a profit. I think that as Christians, we need to let God be in control. Let him control. And don't use the buzzword all the time. You know what a buzzword is? Oh, I'm praying about it. You go, hey, hey, we're moving. We're going to make a move. Been praying about it. To me, sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but I've done it the same thing. It's a buzzword. We do it as Christians. Yeah, been praying about it. We're going to be moving. Been praying about it, but we are going to be moving. And we're going to be going here. And we're and this, you know, and, and I'm not saying it's always wrong or that you got it wrong, but we need to be careful that we are not using this thing, you know, of buzzwords. I've been praying about it. And then we still just go do what we're going to do. 
I was studying yesterday for today. It's interesting how this stuff works, and I, it's the Lord. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden a message pops up on my phone, an email. It's a lady that lives in Southern California. She wrote a letter. Kathy and I have known her for a lot of years. And I won't read you her whole letter, but I just thought as I was sitting there studying, interesting how she wrote in the letter. She says, one of the things she says, um, she says, I, I, let's see, she said, um, Lord willing, excuse me, Lord willing, I'm making a move to Pilot Mountain in a couple of months. That's what she wrote in her letter. She wrote other things, but she said, Lord willing, I'm making a move to Pilot Mountain in a couple of months. At the end of her letter, she says, I'm retiring and Lord willing, I'll be making this move. It put a smile on my face. I sat there as I was sitting thinking, you know what? In her heart and in her mind, she understands. She's saying, Lord willing. She's making a plan to go. That's her desire to go. But Lord willing. You see, that's a good place to be. That's a good mindset to be in. It it is that mindset that makes the difference. I have a card. You can see that it's pretty old. It's because I've had it in my Bible for close to 40 years. My grandfather gave me this card almost 40 years ago. I've kept it in my Bible ever since. He was a pastor, gave it to me, thought, man, you young man, you need some wisdom. It's titled, How to Know God's Will. I've read it in this church a couple of times because I've had it in my Bible for a long time. I'll read it to you again. It's by a man by the name of E.B. Meyer. He wrote this. There are three things which will always concur or agree in knowing the will of God. Number one, it's the inward impulse. What that means is God in the heart impelling you forward. That's the first step that he says on how to determine God's will for you in your life. God in the heart impelling you forward. He is both in you both to do and to... uh, He is both in you both to will and to do His good pleasure, isn't He? But number two, the Word of God. God in His book cooperating whatever He says in the heart. In other words, that what God is instructing me, what I'm believing that God is speaking and the desire is that He's giving me for something, does it line up with the Word of God? Or is it contrary to what God is showing me in His Word? I should have a flag go up if it is. Number three, the trend or the flow of circumstances. God in circumstances which are always indicative of His will. 
he goes on to complete this by saying, never act until these three things agree. So the inward impulse. It starts somewhere, doesn't it? Like when we were praying about going to wells. Were all of you praying about going to wells? Probably none of you were. But we were praying about going to wells. The inward impulse. We had to look to the Word of God. God, would You show me out of Your Word? Would You speak to me? I can take you into my Bible. I can find places where I've written down on this date, God spoke. Kathy could do the same thing. God's Word cooperating whatever He says in the heart. And then the flow of circumstances. God, we believe You're sending us. And we're willing to go. But we need your provision to be able to get there. We can't just get there and, you know, without that. And so God, we wait. We wait on your timing. We're looking for your, you to show your timing and your will to confirm that because where God leads, God provides. And He did. And we ended up in the country of Wells. And we ended up coming back from Wells. And we ended up in North Carolina here because I believe it was God's will. I think it's important for us as Christians to do those things when we're seeking God's will. We read in, our, in verse 14, he says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. You read that and you go, man, that, says, that sounds so uncertain. I mean, that sounds like, you know, your, your life just passes away, just vanishes away. I read one commentator who said this uncertainty of life is not a cause either for fear or inaction. It is always a reason for realizing our complete dependence upon God. Your life is as a vapor. It's here for a moment and it vanishes away. That vapor. It's kind of like that tea kettle blowing off steam and you just see it kind of blowing away. That's what I like. And say, this was common terminology, common way to speak in the day. Your life's like a vapor. Your life is like the grass that when the, the summer heat hits it and it just withers away. That's what your life is likened to. It's like that fog, that thick fog on that early morning. And as soon as that warm sun hits that fog, it just dissipates. That's your life. It's having the perspective that I'm here for a moment and then it's gone. James says, that's your life. It's just like a vapor that appears for a time and vanishes away. I like what another person wrote. There are two great certainties about things that shall come to pass. One is that God knows, and the other is that we do not know. Let me ask you, are you alright with that? The things that God knows and the things that you don't know. We have to be alright with that. 
God knows it all. He sees your future. He knows your day. He knows your footsteps. He knows when your day's going to end. He knows when your life on this planet is going to end. And are you all right with that? Here's some verses that I think should humble us and bring us some proper perspective. Psalm 39, verse 5. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths and my age as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor. Say law. Think about that. Psalm 102.11 My days are like a shadow that lengthens. And I will I and I wither away like grass. Job eight nine. For we were born yesterday and no, and know nothing because our days on earth are a shadow. In first Chronicles twenty nine fifteen, for we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. That's all we are. But vapor. But a shadow. It just takes the, the light to move and the shadow dissipates. It goes away. It moves. It's a mindset that we take on as Christians. And that mindset pleases God. God, I'm completely dependent upon You. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. If the Lord wills. I think it's nothing but sheer ignorance that makes us think that we can live and move and have our being independent of God. It's this kind of prideful arrogance, really, if I could put it that bluntly, and James does, that James says it's evil. He uses it, wow, evil. That's intense. Listen to the Apostle Paul's mindset in 1 Corinthians 4.19. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. When's the last time that you uttered the words, if the Lord wills? When's the last time that you actually said that to yourself or to somebody else? The Lord wills. 1 Corinthians 16, 7. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. It was like, this was his mindset. This is the way he thought. It's where his heart was. And we don't always see him making every statement with those words. But it was his heart, his mindset. 
Look at verse 16. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Some translations read, all such boasting is bad. To boast. To boast about where you're going to be, what you're going to do, you know. It's bad. It's arrogance. It's pride. That's the, that's the root. I keep going back. That's the root. And we see in this chapter, we see, as we already read, what we're to do with that. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He'll lift you up. God draws near to the humble heart, the contrite heart. But he can't deal with our pride. And James, in verse 17, he concludes this all, everything that he's saying here with, he starts with the word therefore. Because of what I just said to you, he says, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That word know there, Ido, it's that divine imparted knowledge from God. It's God kind of like opening up the understanding. Well, I get it now. I've come to know this. The Lord has revealed this to me. I have a, a sure understanding of this now. We just went through these five verses of James' letter. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You see, that's the way God works. He teaches us things. We learn things through the Word of God. But there was a time when I was ignorant in that. I made a lot of foolish decisions and did a lot of things apart from the will of God. Didn't really understand what God required of me. And then I came to understand that God wants me to be completely dependent upon Him. And as a matter of fact, all of you this morning, out of five verses out of God's Word, have been made accountable. You have had divine knowledge from God's Word given to you. And by that, now you have become accountable. That's the way God's Word works. You didn't know it before, now I know it, now I'm accountable. It's been said that greater light gives greater accountability. That's why it's so important to hear the Word of God taught in a systematic way of verse by verse and chapter by chapter. Learn the Word of God and know what it says. I can't leave portions of it out. The parts I don't like. I have to say it all to you. And in that, you all walk away. Now I'm accountable with that. One more thing. I'm accountable with this one now. T. 
to you that know to do good, and if you don't do it, it's sin. I'll close with a parable that was given. I'm not going to even read the whole parable. Luke chapter 12, verse 41. We find in this parable about servants and how they obeyed the master in the master's absence. And Jesus concluded that parable in verse 48. He concluded the story with this application. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. You see, when God is growing you up, as you all know, as I know, as God grows you up and matures you, you become more accountable. You'll even respond and do the right things even in His absence. Because you have a heart towards wanting to follow the will of God. You want to be obedient to the things of God in all ways. It doesn't matter if your master's here or he's gone for a season. And so why we occupy until the Lord returns? What are we doing? Are we being those those obedient servants to the Lord even in this life now, waiting for Him? I want to ask the worship team to come up and I also want to give an invitation. It was prayed by Kim on the worship team here. Maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know the Lord. Not born again. Doesn't know Christ. Never invited Christ to come into the heart and life. Could be anyone. The Holy Spirit has His way of being able to open up our hearts and be able to say, you know what, I don't even know if I know the Lord. But if you don't know the Lord this morning, if you're not born again, if you're not confident where you're going when you die, the opportunities before you this morning to say yes to Jesus Christ. Stop running from Him and run to Him and say, I need You, Lord, in my life. And you know what? You open your arms and God's going to come running right to you. He loves you and desires that you would come. And if you're here and you fall into the sin of presumptuous planning and figuring things out. Those are the things that right now, even as we're closing in this song, set those things right before the Lord. Say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for just getting outside of your will and what you want for me. Let me hear your voice every single day and clearly make choices of how I walk and what I do and what I don't do. And God will bless you in it. I can guarantee you that. So let's all stand and let's raise our voices to the Lord. Let's worship Him for who He is.